What a good way to start off Thursday Finance today on 2NURFM. It is Elvis Presley, the king. And uh, we will start off by seeing what, what has happened with currencies and commodities. Any big movement up and down, Stephen Pritchard? Um, yeah, there's been a few movements in a couple of things. I mean, the gold price was up 1% on the week to $1,755. Um, and the copper price was up 2% on the week to 8106 Sixty-seven dollars a ton, and the crude oil price was down. I oh, was sorry, it was up two point three, two point four percent on the week to ninety-seven dollars seventy-nine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's getting close to a hundred dollars a barrel again. But mm-hmm. of course, uh, it's part, been there before, has it? Yeah, mm. yeah. But part of that's because the A dollar fell during the week too. So it fell um, by um, uh, one, almost one and a half, so a bit more than one and a half cents actually, to seventy five dollars seventy one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more expensive for imports and to travel overseas. Um, and the, we fell against the Great British Pound by one, one almost one percent to fifty four point three three pence. And against the euro, we fell by about half a percent to. Uh, 62.22 euro cents. Right. Euro cents. I've got that right. Um, the the oil order market uh, closed yesterday. Got about um, got above six thousand again. We're six thousand nine dollars and thirty nine cents, uh, which was up uh, thirty three points on the week. Uh, the S and P was down almost two percent. Two percent to six to two thousand six hundred thirty nine dollars point four. And the UK FTSE index was uh, 0.68% up to 7,379 or, or about 50 points. Um, uh, so um, popular local stocks, we've got um, BHP uh, closed at $31.27. It was down a little bit again this morning, but it was up 35 cents on the week. Um, CBA uh, was up uh, $1.06 on the week to $73.46. Uh, NIB was down another 29 cents to $5.44. And, and Telstra was down another cent to $3.10. So we still haven't got to my prediction of a two in front of that yet, but mm. uh, we will see. Mm. We will see. Okay, they're holding you at bay. <laughs> well, I'm at bay. Um, and uh, Newcastle uh, fuel prices are up half a uh, up point. Um, up 0.7% to $1.44.3, and Sydney was $1.38.2. Now, just on these fuel prices, these are the average prices supplied by NRMA. So I'm quite sure you can go and find um, service stations that have got cheaper prices and as ones that have got more expensive ones, as you can with all averages. And and the Newcastle diesel price was $1.41, um, and Sydney was $1.39, so pretty much the same as last week. And it's that time where we take a look at the market and... And update our knowledge. And Stephen Pritchard is doing it with Henry Jennings today, Senior Commentator with the Markets Today Financial Newsletter. Henry. Stephen. Did you go marching yesterday? I went to the dawn service. I did. Oh, it, it was very moving, oh, I as went usual. The, I went to the 10 o'clock one. Uh, I always go to the dawn one. I like the dawn service. Oh, okay. Anyhow. Um, Big fan. Yes, yeah. so it seems to be getting more popular each year up here. Yeah, it was um, it was it was pretty big. Um, yeah, it was it was a good service. Buglin was absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Bugler killed it. Oh, excellent. excellent. Which is unusual. Yes. Usually they're a bit nervous and it comes out a little bit a bit sort of um, yeah, a bit, a bit oh, um. Well. Uh, well, we'll have to ask him back next year. Yeah, I think so, he's got a permanent gig. <laughs> 
So what's happening down at Healthscape? Another private equity bid or...? Um, yes. In a, in, a, in a nutshell, there is a private equity bid from a group called uh, BGH, along with uh, a substantial shareholder, Australian Super, which has around 14.9% of the um, shares. Um, interesting timing as well, um, given that um, the Northern Beaches Hospital they're building in French's Forest is due to be commissioned in October. So having done all the hard work and uh, been in the doldrums for such a long time, here comes private equity over the hill like the cavalry, uh, ready to take them out. So um, the stock had a, a big profit downgrade uh, some time ago last year, around uh, August last year, collapsed and really hasn't done huge amount since. It's sort of been bid up on some speculation of the bid coming. Uh, the bid looks like it's $2.36, which I have to say probably isn't the most generous offer in the world, and I suspect this is an opening gambit by this private equity mob. Um, it's highly conditional as usual, and they need to get the funding. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but um, I would say they're going to have to pay a little bit more for them at the end of the day. So, um, yeah. So we wish yeah, so, so came out of private equity anyhow before. So. Yeah, we're, we're doing the round robin. So, yeah, um, yeah Healthcope was um, put in the casualty ward some time ago with private equity, and then they sold it back to the market. I think uh, $2.10 from memory was the, the um, price it came back at. Um, investors lucky enough to buy that have done probably pretty much nothing ever since. Um, and the current bid now is two dollars thirty-six. But as I say, the timing is uh, interesting given mm-hmm. this big French's Forest Hospital is about to come online in October. So, uh, yeah, it uh, looks interesting. Okay, and then we've got a new boss down at Meyer, but there's already questions being asked about him. Um, yeah, Meyer has a has a brand new boss. I'm, 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 I've got to say, I'm not. You know, it, it's a poison chalice, isn't it, at the moment to. Mm. Uh, to take the uh, the reins at Meyer, it's not uh, it's not going to be an easy gig. This guy, his name's John King. He was um, the former CEO of a company in the UK called House of Fraser. So he's a he's a Brit, and he needs to get his visa to be able to do the job. Um, the, I guess you know House of Fraser. If those of you who have been in a House of Fraser, it's a pretty dowdy department store. What they have done quite well um, during his time was they did grow the online sales to around 15% of the um, of the revenue, which was good. They had lots of, sort of click and collect kind of thing. And click and collect makes a lot of sense because let's face it, if you have to, if you order something online, you have to go to Maya to pick it up and you're wandering through Maya. There's a lot of impulse shopping that you could do. Um, so it kind of makes sense. I don't know whether he's the man for the task. Um, House of Fraser, interestingly, was bought by a Chinese uh, consortium in 2016, and John King has been lying low ever since, counting his money. But now he's back. And, um, yeah, so um, interestingly, House of Fraser has now got some serious problems because, like Coles, uh, like Meyer, rather, um, it has um, problems with its rent in that they are too, too high. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's trying to negotiate that. And there's even talk about going into an administration so the House of Fraser can renegotiate those leases. Does that sound familiar? I've heard that rumour, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, sound, that sounds like heard an echo. Heard so, first yeah, year. It's, um, it's, it's a tough game, department stores, I have to say. Yes. And the other tough games down at AMP, the CEO's gone and the chairman's hanging on by her fingernails. I cannot believe the chairwoman, chairperson, whatever, 
um, is still there. Catherine Brenner is hanging on by her fingertips. Um, her days are numbered. She should have gone uh, when the uh, CEO went, because let's face it, the CEO was going anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the CEO had already announced that he was leaving at the end of the year. All he's done is shuffled forward his um, his retirement slush fund, and uh, the AMP has been hauled over the coals during the uh, the Royal Commission, uh, along with financial planners and various other uh, parts of the market. So it's not been a great look. Um, they say never meet your heroes. Um, you should never ask a question that you don't know the answer to and never look behind the curtain because what you'll find is in The Wizard of Oz is that things are pretty grim behind the curtain. And, and I think a lot of uh, financial institutions um, do have a grimness and they do have a, a culture that needs to uh, change dramatically. Do you think she'll be gone by next week? Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, well she'll certainly be gone by the AGM. She yeah, won't survive yeah, the yeah. AGM. shareholders are in revolt. Oh, the shareholders are, are revolting. Yes. yes. Not all of them, of course. <laughs> no. No. Well, I'm not a shareholder. So, anyhow, it must be the week for res- resignations. Blue Sky CEO resigns. Yeah, Blue Sky's done a fantastic job, haven't they? Um, Blue Sky is this one that was targeted by um, the US um, research house that said that they were worth $2.66, I think it was from memory. Uh, the stock was around 11 bucks at the time. They just had done a placement at $11.50, I think the price was. This was the, the wonder kid of the funds management area where they um, had these alternative, and there's the key to it, there's the key, alternative investments. And as you and I both know, the only time you can value alternative investments is when you buy them and when you sell them. Um, and uh, so we've had um, a massive implosion in the whole business model of Blue Sky. Uh, question marks over the accounts, the funds under management. We've had the MD and CEO resign. We've had one of the founders sell shares. It is just a horrible, horrible look. Um, the stock's now $3.36, which is actually up today. Um, their high for the year was $14.50. Uh, actually, $14.70 they closed out one day uh, back uh, at the beginning of uh, this year, so um, or December 2017. So, yeah, it's been a huge fall from grace, and I have to say the smell is not good still. No, I think, I think that's going to... I think it stays a... Uh, a uh, uh, close to uh, coming and um, in my case share price seems to have been drifting down for most of the year do you know why yeah the death of me I, I can't work it out <laughs> um, I think um, the InvoCare has been one of those um, I guess it's been a great mm-hmm. uh, long term story in the market over the years uh, InvoCare runs a bunch of uh, uh, funeral parlours um, for want of a better term, they, um, these guys are um, the biggest behemoth in the business at uh, the burial business. Um, Simplicity Funerals and White Lady and all those sorts of things, they're branded under, um, uh, under the InfoCare thing. The, the problem that they've had, I guess, um, is that um, there's not a lot of growth in the, in the death business at the moment. And not only that, there's a, a bit more competition emerging. It first sort of started to hit the skids um, back around, I think it was about February, yeah. when um, there was a, um, a company in the UK, Dignity Funerals, which uh, suffered a big hit as the second place players, uh, the co-op uh, in the UK, slashed the prices of basic funerals. Um, and as a result, that kind of fed through into the narrative for InvoCare. They, they've been trying to bounce, um, 
you know, warm weather doesn't probably help them. Um, I'd much prefer to have... Um, flu season, you reckon? I must prefer to have cold weather and uh, and that sort of thing. But uh, it's it's not a great growth story, I guess. Um, you know, it's um, it's a, it's about I, I suppose the competition. There's a new kid on the block, if you want to call it that thing. Uh, Propel Funerals um, is a float that Bell Potter put together, and they put kind of put some of the band back together again. And they've been doing a roll up in uh, the funerals business, and they're the second biggest with a with a um, a big sort of stake in the Tasmanian uh, death industry. Um, we own Propel Funerals in uh, in one of our small cap portfolios, but it has been a bit of a dog, I have to say. It hasn't really performed, uh, nor has Invocare, although there are signs that maybe it's starting to turn. But um, yeah, early days. And there's some analysts floating around that uh, Bunnings um, is going to now in future represent 55% of the West Farmers' earnings after the coal spin-off, and uh, that Bunnings might be uh, growth in earnings might uh, be starting to taper off. What what do you think of that? Well, uh, I guess uh, you know Bunnings is a, uh, is a is a massive business and a massively success story. Um, the problem they have with Bunnings, I guess, is that the Bunnings UK has turned into an absolute disaster mm-hmm. for them. Um, they're trying to get out of it. They're trying to sell it. They're trying to do everything they can. What they call the beast from the east, mm-hmm. uh, which was a massive cold snap that kept coming back into the UK, has really disrupted sales. Just when everyone was popping out into the garden for spring uh, to uh, to go to the outdoor garden centres and the, and the outdoor living kind of places at Bunnings UK, the beast from the east killed that um, that game. I think sales are down 15% in the update this morning. So not looking good. I guess it's a big distraction for the company. Uh, Bunnings has been, as I say, a massively successful uh, business for them, as has Officeworks. Um, But um, with with Coles gone, Bunnings is going to be, you know, pretty much the the entire business. So Bunnings has met its masters in the UK. Bunnings has, I like that, Bunnings has met its masters in the UK. The masters of Bunnings not doing so well at the moment, but the Australian side doing pretty well still. I think they're up, sales up 9% or something, so we still love Bunnings. We still love Uh, Bunnings, yes. But uh, not the UK. It's, it's, yeah, it's hard to replicate a business sometimes in another country where they've got different habits, different shopping uh, habits, different seasons, more importantly. Woolworths tried it with Masters. You know what? That should have been the clue, guys. Yeah, yeah. They should have looked at Woolies and gone, hey, we should study this because mm. they stuffed this up royally. And here we are. We've just followed them blindly into doing exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Hubris. Yes. And then... I think it was last week, and I've got confused with the public holidays, there was some story on the on um, Four Corners, I think, about marijuana. And ever since then, people have been ringing up asking about buying marijuana stocks. What do you think, Henry? They've been ringing up by, about buying marijuana or uh, buying marijuana, marijuana stocks? Buying marijuana stocks. We don't, oh, deal, okay. in, we don't uh, deal in the, 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 fi- okay. the, the physical commodity. That's a new sideline. Although it's probably more profitable. <laughs> <laughs> And probably more morally and ethically sound than some of the financial planners that we've seen yeah, on the Royal Commission. Um, uh, yes, the ABC did a, a big thing. There's a company called Canopy Growth, which is a $5.6 billion Canadian company, which is the largest cannabis stock in the world, largest cannabis company in the world. And they're making a big push into Australia. Uh, they've got a partner here called uh, OzCan. I actually wrote an article this morning. We have one of our um, eagle-eyed um, 
um, subscribers say, you know, what's happening in cannabis land? And I, I've followed it for some time, but it's kind of drifted out of the, the, um, the forefront of people's minds. Um, and sort of had a look at some of the leaders, and OzCan is one of those. And they're up 7% today. And another one, THC, which is the hydroponics company, uh, they're up 13% today. So I wrote a bit about both of those uh, first thing this morning before they rallied. So, um, so that was kind of prescient. But, um, yeah, it looks like, um, you know, there's the Greens push for uh, recreational use of cannabis to be legalized. Um, that's not going to happen. But um, there are certainly people that believe that uh, medicinal cannabis use and the, and the states have all now agreed to be uh, able to get it in a far shorter time from your GP to get prescriptions in a far shorter time. Um, I think two days now is, um, is the time frame that you can uh, qualify and get in. Um, so, yeah, there are people that believe medicinal cannabis is the gateway to recreational uh, de, uh, well, decriminalisation. Um, but um, that, that takes some time. Canada's moving that way. Um, oh. But uh, I, think, I think we're certainly away, away from that. Let's face it, it took so long to actually legalise uh, same-sex marriage. And the sun rose and the sky didn't fall in. But I think this one may be a bridge too far for... Um, Current, um, current governments. As long as we don't have a national vote on it. Um, so no, if you if you no. want to if you want to hear more about cannabis <laughs> and everything else before the market happens, how do we do that, Henry? Um, you can go to markustoday.com.au, sign up for a two-week free trial, and you can read all our stuff and access all our wonderful education and past articles and uh, see what we uh, think of the current state of the, the markets. Hey, okay. talk to you next week, Henry. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks. And Stephen Pritchard, credit rating. Now, it's something that most of us don't think about at all. Um, yes. So there's been some recent changes to the credit credit collection legislation, which is, um, in my view, I, 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 I don't think they're that good. And I don't think most people kind of appreciate what this is actually going to do. So I thought we'd talk about it today. So, so what's now started to roll out is previously where the, what the credit reference um, bodies kept records they kept, and there's three of them, and I think the biggest one's Equifax, which is the same one as the US one, which uh, um, had data breaches of uh, 140 million US credit files, I think. So, so, so what, what was previously kept by the credit reference associations or bodies or companies or whoever they are um, was details of, of when you applied for a credit facility and any defaults on that on, that you had, such as, and I think a default was defined as late repayments over 60 days, and of course, you know, naturally, if it went further than that, and there was court judgments. That, that, that all got recorded on your credit reference. Um, but now what's going to be recorded is all your basically basic transactions. So your bank or, or, or your, your bank and, and the big four are the first banks to start providing the data as, as required by the government, um, is that um, – so if you go into the bank and you apply for a credit card, that, that application is going to be recorded on your credit reference the same as before. So the credit reference is external, of course, from the bank, so it's yeah, not yeah, a database. Yeah, so the bank, the bank has to send it across by law now, whereas okay. before it was up to – and they needed to get your consent before. When, when you used to go and sign for a, a lane at the, the, the bank, there was always a privacy consent form that you used to sign. And that used to enable the bank to supply some data to the credit bureau or credit reference company. Now, by law, the banks have to supply this and they don't need your consent. Mm -hmm. So before, what would you have done? You go and apply, Jane goes in and applies for a new credit card and, and, and what would have been recorded on the credit reference 
file is the application for the credit card and maybe what the limit was and uh, and that would have been the end of the matter but what now is going to start to be recorded is that Jane goes in and 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 record gets this credit card not only is that initial information going to be recorded what's also going to be recorded is the repayments Mm-hmm. So, so if you if you that's the credit card repayments, the credit card that repayments you made to your financial institution, your credit card repayments made to your financial institution, yeah. and also all your existing loans, yeah. so your home loan repayments, how much you've borrowed. So there's going to be with this big database of all your financial transactions that 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 the the, the credit bureau companies are going to start to record. Now, there's a couple of issues I've personally got this is one all this data is being obtained and and data is a very valuable assets but th- all this data is your personal a- personal asset and the government's mandating that being transferred across to the credit association who are going to make a lot of money out of selling that why aren't we being paid for this data after all it is our data and you've seen with Facebook's making a lot of money out of collecting personal data you know you need to think about you know why isn't the government making sure that we're being paid for this data if you go and produce a copyright you get paid when someone uses that why aren't we being paid for this data and the second more worrying thing is particularly with identity theft um, these credit associations do make mistakes and it can be extremely expensive and time-consuming having to rectify that. There doesn't appear to be any statutory obligation that I can find where the credit reference body has to pay for correcting of these mistakes. Now, I could see the case that there's mistakes on there. Um, applications have been, you know, stuff's coming out of the Royal Commission, been fraudulently submitted, the credit's been approved, hasn't even been you. Defaults, this is all recorded on your more updated credit file. Mm. And Whether it'll, it's you or not at That's fault. right, yep. And mm. it will take you, cost you thousands of dollars employing solicitors and everything else to get that fixed. Mm. And, you know, there doesn't seem to be any statutory requirement the government's even thought about of making sure that all that cost has to be worn by the credit reference. Do you get a choice as to which company deals with your nope. data? Nope. So you really... The bank... The bank the banks have to mandatorily help transfer the data across. So if you've got an account at Westpac and you've got an account at NAB, for example, it's not unusual in our experience for people who have you know, used two banks for whatever reason. Um, uh, and Westpac and NAB mightn't have known about any of this. But once this is all transferred across, um, whoever's got access to that data has got a complete picture of all your financial transactions and obligations. Mm. Hmm. Stephen Pritchard, we're talking about credit scores, so we know that these companies now have a lot of our data, or will have well, a lot of our yeah, data. Yeah, a lot of the companies are starting to collect this data, and I think the National Bank announced this week they're going to start sending the data across. Okay. Um, and, and you know, unfortunately, it's required by law, so you can't go into the bank and say, "Well, we're not going to, we don't want it sent." Mm. Um, so, how do they work out? So, so what? Well, so, what they do is they collect all this data. And they're going to assign, or it's actually started to happen, everyone's going to have this credit score number, and it's between zero and um, 1,200 or 1,000, depending on which company um, 
produces it. And so what they do is they take into account, supposedly, um, the type of credit providers you use, whether it's a bank, a utility, or telephone company for that matter, um, the amount of credit you've borrowed or applied for, or the amount of credit you've applied for. I mean, even if you don't borrow it, um, you know, if you make an application, um, that's applied for. Uh, any unpaid or overdue amounts. Now, I think the overdue period's also been wound back from 60 days to 15 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, any debt agreements or personal insolvency agreements. So all this information's put into a big black box, and out of that comes your credit score. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, th- th- there's a number of companies you can get free, register to get your free credit score on a monthly basis, and I've been looking at mine for the last four months. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a whole lot of nonsense because mine's all over the place, up and down, up and down, and nothing's changed. I haven't gone and got any loans. Right. All I've done is made my credit card repayment, which I did every month. So why is it? So I, I, sent, I sent them an email and asked, well, "Can you provide a reconciliation of how what's actually causing this to change?" Of course, the response has been none, none. despite okay. the twenty-four hour turnaround. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, so after they get all this, they they rank you into basically five categories: um, excellent, which means you are you are highly unlikely to have any adverse credit events harming your credit score in the next twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. You are unlikely to have any adverse event in the next twelve months. Good. You are likely less experience an adverse event. Average, you are likely to experience an adverse event in the next year. And below average, you are likely to have an adverse event. So, so they, they calculate these numbers, stick you in one of these categories, and supposedly people in the top category are going to get a lower interest rate than people in the bottom category. And that's the justification why you should be think grateful that all this information is being Collected. So this would be interest rates on big, on big ticket items like yes. house well, loans, uh, or, supposedly, or small ones as well. Supposedly on all of them, but right. but I've never seen any evidence that. Now there are there are a number of companies now that will offer you these instant type loans, purely based on what your credit score. Mm-hmm. But but the rates that I've seen being offered on some of these is far above what you could actually go to your. Your, your bank and your building society to to and to to obtain or your credit unit. Mm. So it's interesting. So, uh, so can you actually improve your credit score um, if it comes up? Supposedly, so you can improve your credit score by uh, lowering your credit card limits mm-hmm. and paying off your loans quicker, and consolidating personal loans and credit cards from multiple credit cards into a single one or a single loan. Now, I don't really understand how that would improve it because it's the same amount. Mm. Is owing, but that's what they say anyhow. So I think people um, they, and yeah, the other thing is you can limit your credit number of credit inquiries, mm-hmm. uh, make your repayments on time, pay your rent and bills on time, paying your mortgage and other loans on time, and and paying your credit card off in full each month. So you can see on all of this, this data, they're going to have this big database. Yes. Um, so all of the credit associations um, give you a free credit report once a year, yes. access to your credit record. So I think you need to all subscribe to that and check it and probably go back each year. And if there's any, and if there's any um, errors on it, I'd suggest that you notify them like they're required to and send them a bill for your time. Sounds fair. That's Thursday Finance for today. We'll be back next Thursday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health 
well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.